Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives, here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There's a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Today is a special show to celebrate season three of this radio show and 104 shows broadcast so far. If you're looking for past episodes, you can find them on all major podcasting sites. Just look for Healthy Alternatives or Dr. Christine Sauer and the show will pop up. To celebrate the season three start, I decided to produce a show to thank my listeners for their continued support. So today I am talking about gratitude and its importance for health and wellness. And I'm happy to talk about it with my new Vice President Communications and Poet and Artist Maxine Silva. Welcome to the show, Maxine. Thank you, Christine. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to have you, Maxine. And before I let you introduce yourself, I just want to mention things that you usually leave out. For example, that I choose you as my vice president communication because you worked with Henry Kissinger, spoke with Ronald Reagan and the Pope, and you are an international traveler and public speaker and a nonprofit consultant and so much more. I'm so grateful to have you with me, Maxine. Oh, I'm so delighted, Christine, to be here. <laughs> now, before we want to get into it, I just wanted to give my listeners a special gift. Because it's all about giving back, gratitude, mm, yes. celebration. Yeah. I want to give back and I want to give every one of my listeners that listens to this show a free gratitude journal. Now, how can you get it? Just go to the website docchristine.com and book a free and quick call and tell me what you like about the show and what topics you're interested in. Mention the gratitude journal on this call and I'll send it to you right away. Now, Maxine, tell me a little bit more about yourself and the role gratitude plays in your life. Oh, yes, it's, it's a very long and convoluted story, Christine. I wasn't always grateful. Um, I'll start out by saying that my international travel started when I was about five or six months old. Oh my goodness. I came across the Atlantic on the Aquitania to Pier 21 
Oh, wow. Yes. My, my father was from Newfoundland. And uh, um, during the Second World War, Newfoundland was not a part of Canada. So he joined the British Navy. And then after the war, being stationed in England, he met my mother at a pub. Uh, the Elephant and Castle, I think, was the name of it. What a lucky encounter. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yes. Yes. So anyway, um, they f uh, met, fell in love, married, and uh, were, uh, then I was born, I came along, and I have an older brother whose my mother had been married once before, and her husband had been killed in the war. So I had so my brother Barry and I and my mother and father, in 1946 came across in the Aquitania. Wow. Uh, my dad being from Newfoundland. Okay, if you're age we, of yeah, eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we. You we don't look it at all, by the way. Yes, we then traveled by train uh, all the way to St. John's, Newfoundland, and we lived there for a few years. My dad then joined the Royal Navy, so my travel started very young. Yes. And uh, and then we came back to Nova Scotia, and uh, I went to school here, and mostly living in Dartmouth, actually. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, I wanted to be a doctor, Christine, but at that time, my mother and father didn't have money, and I couldn't go to further my education in that way. Mm -hmm. So I uh, became an X-ray technologist at the Victoria General Hospital. Great. And uh, while I was uh, training and then working there, I met my first husband who was going to St. Mary's, and he was from New Jersey. Oh, wow. So we met, uh, we fell in love, and I ended up moving to New Jersey in the early 70s. Yeah. Um, I was 24 and getting older. I thought I needed to be married can you imagine? Absolutely, I can. I a baby myself. I was, <laughs> I was, I had my first child at 19, so I hear oh, you, you and God, I got married at the same age. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I went to Lama's classes, I did everything I was supposed to do. I was having my first baby, and uh, when I was 25, having my first baby, almost 26, I guess. And uh, when Danielle was born, I was told she had a terminal liver disease. Oh, my God. And she wasn't going to live, called biliary atresia. Oh, my God. And so I thought, well, no, there has to be somebody somewhere in this world who can help my daughter. Well, I researched everything, and I couldn't find anybody who could help. Mm -hmm. In those days, in the 70s, liver transplantation was uh, truly an experimental venture, mm. um, mostly because of anti-rejection, mm. you know, the organ being rejected by your body, etc. And it wasn't until later, in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, that they came up with, with um, anti-rejection drugs that would actually help people. Well, anyway, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to find somebody somewhere in this world who can help my daughter. Mm. Well, uh, I looked everywhere. I couldn't find anybody. There was no organization that mm -hmm. I could be part of um, that would at least I would be able to use my time mm. to, be, to be feeling like I was doing something in an otherwise hopeless situation. Yeah. So I formed the Children's Liver Foundation then. Oh, my God, that's yes. amazing. And then uh, within a few months after that, Danielle died. I'm so sorry. And, uh, but I, in the meantime, I'd had three more children. So then I had three babies in diapers. It was crazy in my house. 
And uh, so, yes, I wasn't feeling really grateful then, quite frankly, thinking, oh, my God, why did this happen to me? Mm. There's so much trauma, so much work. And I was living in New Jersey without family around me. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, I just put my nose to the grindstone. I was working as an x-ray technologist part-time in New York City, where I met Salvador Dali. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was so exciting. And uh, uh, anyway, I, I, I worked day and night, I guess, more or less, and uh, trying to bring up my children and, and run the foundation. So over the 18 years that I ran the organization, we started uh, chapters throughout the United States. I think we had about 20 at the time, and then established eight international affiliates with people all over the world whose children were suffering from liver disease and would require a liver transplant. What an amazing way to turn uh, an otherwise very hard fate around. Well, you know what? Into something I, uh, good. I was... I was um, Bound and determined to do something. Uh, it's my nature, I guess. I exhaust myself sometimes, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed that um, when you're going in the direction that you're supposed to be going, doors open automatically. They do. And and when you are in, when you're have an awareness that this is happening, you're in a position to take full advantage of them, which is which is a good thing, and it was wonderful for me. And that's when, during that time, is when I, uh, I met uh, President Reagan at the White House in, in, uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, along with another lady whose child had been affected with liver disease. We had been brought there by her congressman from New York, Congressman Guy Molinari. Wow. Now, here I am in the White House, and uh, the thought that I had was, I want to use the ladies' room. So I said, they can't refuse me that, right? Now, not that I really needed to go, but I wanted to see what it looked like. <laughs> what it was did a it regular look like? one washroom. I was, <laughs> I was not impressed. Okay. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, then um, later on, um, meeting with the Pope at the Vatican in Rome because of a child who had been successfully transplanted in, um, in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, which was the Mecca for liver transplantation at that time. Well, then uh, what happened was after that, um, unfortunately, my husband and I divorced. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, how will I manage? Then uh, after that, I met a man that I fell deeply in love with. I didn't know that he was an alcoholic. <sighs> and so... Uh, it caused a lot of difficulty for my children and me. My mm -hmm. children were just approaching puberty at that time. That's and, a difficult time. Uh, yeah, they hated him oh, yeah. with a passion. And he tried to be a father to them. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is good because I want everybody to be a big, happy family. Mm. Naive me. You know, I handled it all wrong. I did. Don't we all make big mistakes when we are parents? Oh, my God. Time? Nobody gives you an instruction booklet. You, you know, you just wing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, I guess I wasn't listening to many people or whatever. I was just going what I thought was the right thing to do at the moment, mm. but without the knowledge to back it up. Well, anyway, ultimately, um, my uh, second husband, he and I separated because of the alcoholism. Mm. And then uh, we had been apart for about five years. 
when a policeman came to my door and told me that I, because I was still legally married to him, mm. that they found him uh, dead, that he'd shot himself, Christine, oh my in the God. head with a construction nail gun. Oh my God. Now, his addiction had gotten so bad that he wasn't, he was a proud man. And uh, you know what, with the stigma that is associated with, with uh, um, addiction, it he is was terrible. not able to, to, to function, and he just wanted to be out of the pain. Wow. Well, we have to wrap it up for the first half here, and I'm really looking forward to continuing this story because addiction is a big problem, and people commit suicide because of it, because they're so ashamed and, and, and don't even want to get help because that would expose that they suffer from that illness. And it is, it, is, it is really, truly, what an amazing story you have had. So this brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast here on 97.5 CIOEFM Community Radio. Please tune in after the commercial break for more with Maxine Silva about how she actually got to being grateful again. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today on this season three opener, my Vice President Communication, Maxine Silva, and I are talking about how to be grateful in difficult circumstances. Welcome back, Maxine. Thank you, Christine. Now, in the first half, we talked a little bit about your life and how you had really hard things to endure. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more. How did it go on after you learned that your then nearly ex-husband had committed suicide in an awful way? Well, I tell you, I didn't know which end was up, and um, uh, the relationship with my children was estranged, and I, as I mentioned earlier, I had no family around me living in, in, in New Jersey. And uh, I'm, I'm a pretty resourceful person, but at this time of my life, I didn't know what to do. And so, anyway, um, a couple of years after he had died, I decided that maybe I should go back home to Nova Scotia. So my older brother, bless his heart, came uh, and picked me up with a truck and we moved all of my things from New Jersey to uh, Halifax mm -hmm. in September of 2008. Okay. And uh, so I was living here in Halifax for about a year and I was not feeling comfortable. I couldn't put my finger on it exactly. Sort of a restless soul. So I went to a tarot card reader. <laughs> oh, well, we all do stuff sometimes. And the, this tarot card reader laid out my cards and said, you've got to get out of Dodge. This is not for you. You need to be around people of like mind. He felt that, uh, you know, needed to move on or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, I have a friend who lives in Montreal. 
Every year, he rents his place for six months, and he goes to Southeast Asia, mostly Bali, Indonesia. He said, you could do that. You should do that. Okay, I said, I left his place. I'm walking along Barrington Street, and there was a, a little restaurant. I think it was called Henry's House or whatever on Barrington. I'm not sure of the name at this point. I went in. I ordered myself a lovely dinner. It was around 5 o'clock. Glass of wine. Toasted myself and said, I'm going to Bali. Wow, went, what a decision. <laughs> yes. I went home. I went on my computer, and I looked for a nonprofit organization that maybe I could tap into for, I don't know, to be employed or volunteer or something. At that time, I was getting um, my pension, so I, I had a little income so I could sustain myself. So within a couple of hours, a lady called me back and she said uh, she was from California in the U.S. and they had this uh, nonprofit and in, this was in July, this was happening in 2008. She said in December, we're having a very large international meeting and if you'd like to join us, you're most welcome. Okay, I said, so then that was July. In September, I, 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 oh, I sublet my place. Uh, that I was living in, and I was uh, in September. I was on a plane flying to Bali, Indonesia. Wow! I went for six months. I stayed three years. Wow! And uh, during that time, I went to an art class, and I had. Uh, I didn't want to go. A friend had asked me, and I said, no, 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 because I would show myself up in front of all these accomplished artists. And she insisted and insisted, and finally I said, okay. I went to that class, and my teacher was an old Japanese man named Mori, and he said, what would you like to paint? And I said, I, I, I don't know. So he gave me a folder with all of these photographs in it of people and landscapes and, and animals and flowers, and he said, one. I saw an old lady and there was something about her. She called to me and I said, mm. I want to paint her. He said, okay. Gave me a canvas, said, pick your colors. The class was from one to five. And Christine, at the end of that four hour class, I painted that old lady almost exactly like the photograph. I've seen people it hanging were, in your apartment. Ah, so people were coming over and saying, oh, how long have you been painting? And I'm laughing now because I said, this is my first one. I've never done this before in my life. Wow. And um, it, it, it was a miracle to me. Like I was the, the instrument that, that uh, um, the energy just traveled through me to be able to do this. So I kept going back to this class, and um, each time I would approach my canvas with trepidation, like, I can't do it. The images would just come off the canvas. Wow. I did Gandhi, and I was so nervous about that because everybody knows what Gandhi looks like. If I messed up, everybody would know that I messed up, right? For sure. And his face came off the canvas, and I was like, ah, that's Gandhi. Wow. So anyway, uh, during my time in Bali, I, I went to visit India a couple of times. Mm -hmm. India captured my heart. Yeah. So in 2012, I moved to uh, Bangalore, India. And during that time, I started to con I continued to paint. And uh, then I had a, an exhibition of my paintings there. It was wow. a small exhibition. Yeah, yeah. 
but I was thrilled. And so the man who was working with me to put this on uh, said, you know, people don't get much attention when they have a, a, an exhibition, an art exhibition, if you're not well known. So when he wrote press releases to these people, she said she worked with Dr. Henry Kissinger <laughs> for her. Secretary General under uh, Reagan. Right? That got people to look well, at it. Well, you know what? We got people turning up and, and asking me, so what was it like to work for Dr. Kissinger? Well, I held my confidence. I just said he was always very nice to me. <laughs> but it did the trick and got them there, right? Excellent. So then I moved from um, Bangalore to New Delhi, and that's when I started to spontaneously write poetry. And I've I, read some of your poems, they're just amazing. Thank you so much. You know what, they're all dealing with my life experiences. But again, I'm the instrument, they come yeah. through me. I was sitting on a beautiful terrace in Delhi, and all of a sudden the words would just come. And I'd go to my computer and write yeah. them down so I wouldn't forget, because I never remember my poetry. And interestingly enough, afterwards, uh, when I've spoken to other poets, they don't remember theirs either. So I don't know. I think it's a I divine think, inter yes, intervention. Yes, I really believe that. So how did you then transition to that? Because I know your poetry expresses a lot of pain. Yeah. How did you not get stuck in the pain and ended up being grateful for your experiences and transforming them in amazing paintings and amazing poems? Because I made a promise to myself. I talked about the raw pain that I was feeling mm -hmm. in these poems, but the promise was this, that I would always find a nugget of gratitude ending the poem, that I would be grateful, that I will end with a message of love, because my one word mantra, Christine, is love. Mm -hmm. Just to live through love because it's what the world needs desperately. That's what the world is made of, in That's my opinion. Right. It, is the, it is the life force. Yeah, we it need, we force. all need it. Oh my God, Maxine, you really touched my heart. Uh, and, and I hate to slowly go to the end, but I think this transformation from a life that really had nothing much to be grateful for, a child that dies, and husband that commits suicide in a gruesome way and you transformed it in a beautiful person that you are today in beautiful art and beautiful poems and I'm looking forward to hearing more of that really and since this is the season opener for season three okay may I just quickly sure go for it a ritual that I do absolutely when I go to bed at night I get in bed and I hug myself and I say love you Maxie love you love you love you and then when I get up in the morning, I go and I stand in front of my beautiful window looking out over the public gardens, and I say, thank you. Every day, that's my ritual. Morning rituals. Amazing. We should do a second show just about rituals. It's so important. Now, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for every listener. And if you didn't, if you missed it in the opening of the show, I mentioned that I'm giving away a free gratitude journal that has prompts. So it helps you transform your experiences into gratitude. And all you have to do is go to my website. You can contact me there too. It's called Doc. 
Christine, D-O-C-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E.com and just book one of those free appointments and tell me what you like or not like about the show and what topics you're interested in and mention the gratitude journal, I'll send it to you. Now this brings us to the end of today's show. Please don't hesitate to contact us with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions. My email here is christine at communityradio.ca and I'm always grateful for any feedback. I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Cecil Wright. Thank you, Cecil. You're the greatest. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station and we even have an art gallery and performance hall. If you're local and you'd like to drop in, and I recommend it, we have great art to show and I hope, Maxine, eventually you have an opportunity to exhibit here too because it's actually cool. Thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to drop in, we are at 11 Glendale Avenue, Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. So... Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.